Uh, Go ahead and turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 22. This morning we're going to be looking at verses 54 through 65. It's been a year and four months since we were in Luke chapter 9 and looked at verse 51. And it was then that we saw the major turning point in the Gospel of Luke. Where it says in Luke 9, 51 that he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And from that point forward in Luke's account, everything is facing the cross. Everything is moving toward the cross. He set his face toward Jerusalem. And now we come to the moment when Jesus is taken before the authorities and beaten and tried and then will be hung on a cross to die for sins that he never Committed, And so if you would stand and follow along, I want to read Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 54. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him. As they beat him, they also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, you who are holy, you are set apart in all of your ways. We consider the words of Isaiah and his vision that he saw of the angels crying out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with your glory. And we're humbled. And we acknowledge even as we look to your word, we see your glory. The same glory that they call out one to another is displayed to to us, revealed to us through the Word. What a joy. What a humbling joy. And so as we come before your Word this morning, God, we ask you to help us. Give us ears, we pray, to hear. Give us hearts that are receptive to your Word, Lord. Whatever the reason we came this morning, whether we came just to say that we went to church or because it was expected of us or because we truly delighted in you. 
And we couldn't imagine not being with you and your people. Whatever our reasons in coming, Lord, would you work by your Spirit to soften our hearts, to gaze into your face through Jesus Christ, and to be forever changed by the gospel. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Peter denies Jesus. Just hours before, he had made very, very bold claims. Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I'm ready, Lord. If they put me in prison, I'm ready. If they put me to death with you, I'm ready. Just hours have passed. And here he is. His master, Jesus, is arrested. His friends have dispersed. And he is trembling. His faith is shaky. And he does in the text here what most of us hope never to do. He denies Jesus. Three times he denies the Lord Jesus. The reality is that like Peter... We are people, humans, broken, who are prone to fearing the crowd, fearing what the crowd might say, fearing what the crowd might do, and seeking to preserve our comfort by avoiding persecution at all costs. But we have hope in the one who willingly faced the crowd on our behalf, willingly faced a crowd of persecutors on our behalf and overcame victoriously. That's what we see in the text here. And it's this hope that we have in Jesus that gives us great assurance. I can confidently stand with Jesus because he lovingly stood in my place. I can have confidence. I can confidently stand with Jesus because he lovingly stood in my place. Now, what's taking place as Peter is struggling in the courtyard? That seems to be the main thing that's going on. What's happening in the courtyard? Peter being confronted by these different people and denying the Lord Jesus. That seems to be the main thing. But while that's happening, Jesus is standing in Peter's place. Peter is not the main point of this story. Jesus is. Is anyone really surprised that Peter failed? We shouldn't be. We ought not to be. But so often we try to make the human the hero. To make people like Peter or Abraham or Moses or David the heroes or the victors in the Bible stories. But we never find that in the Bible. That's not why they're there. God is the one who is always faithful in every story. He's the one who's the victor in every story and God is the only reason people are saved. And here in the text, we see that in the shadows of this story of Peter's denial, something greater is happening. 
Jesus is facing his accusers. He's standing in our place. He is completely innocent. He's never failed, never done any wrong. But here he is led away. Here he is standing, taking beatings, taking blows on our behalf, standing before unrighteous, evil accusers, faithful. And that gives us great assurance in two ways this morning. First of all, because Jesus lovingly stood in my place, I can have confidence in the face of persecution. Jesus standing before the religious leaders is beyond significant. It is universe-altering. Everything is changing in these moments and hours ahead. The laws that these accusers had held over people, Jesus had come to fulfill. And these people hate him. These religious leaders hate him. And their hatred is evident as we look at the last few verses that we just read. The men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They blindfolded him, kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? They blasphemed him. They're mocking him. They're beating him. Consider this, they blindfolded the one who came to give his life as a ransom for many, God in the flesh, and they punch him again and again in the face, and they mock him as they say, tell us who did that, prophesy. Tell us who hit you. And he did that willingly. He's accused of many things that he never did. They lied about him. They beat him without reason. He did that for you. He did that for me. And because Jesus is willingly taking this kind of persecution, Peter has no need to be afraid. We see that again and again. We can just look in Luke's gospel for accounts of that. In Luke 12, verse 4, I tell you, Jesus says, I tell you, friends, do not fear those who killed the body and after that have nothing more they can do. A few verses later, why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. You see, what's happening to Jesus is the prelude to him enduring God's judgment for sin. For Peter's sin. Enduring God's judgment for these very denials that Peter is doing. And the ones that we would commit. This is just a prelude to that. And that means that Peter never will endure that judgment. Peter will never face God as judge over him. Because of Jesus standing in his place, it will be true of Peter. There is no condemnation for you, Peter. None whatsoever. And so the words of Jesus to Peter and to us are true. You have nothing to fear, Peter. All they can do is kill your body. 
But your soul is secure with me because I'm standing in your place. I'm standing before the accusers that you deserve to stand in front of. That I deserve to stand in front of. Jesus is there quietly enduring the suffering. As Peter is in the courtyard trembling. Hebrews 13, verse 6 says, We can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? What can these people do to Peter? They could punch him like they're punching Jesus. They could blindfold him. They could could pierce him. They could kill his body. But that's all they can do. They cannot snatch him out of Jesus' hands. They cannot snatch him out of the Father's hands. He is secure eternally because Jesus is standing in his place. We have one, God who put on flesh and came to us, who has lovingly stood in our place. And he calls us to follow him with confidence. We have nothing to fear. Because Jesus stands there before his accusers, victorious. And yet, just like Peter, we fear at times. Look how it plays out in the text for Peter. Verse 54, Then they seized him and led him away, bringing... Him, this is Jesus, into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. Now notice the difference there. As we look at the whole text, we see just from verse 54, Jesus is led away. Peter wanders away. Jesus has been arrested. He's been led away. And it tells us that Peter was following at a distance. Even before he's questioned, he's, he's keeping his distance. Now, I think he wants to follow. I think the fact that Peter is there following Jesus to, to see what's going to take place, I think we can see there his desire to follow, to desire to follow through with his promises. That when he said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you, I'm ready to die with you, that there's sincerity in his heart. He loves the Lord. But then fear wells up inside of him and doubt. And so he follows at a distance. Verse 55, And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. The difference between the courtyard and inside the high priest's house is amazing. Jesus being beaten. And those outside trying to get a glimpse, but staying warm by this fire. Jesus being mocked, them trying to stay comfortable. Verses 56 and 57, we see the first test that comes before Jesus. And remember Jesus, or before Peter, remember that Jesus warned him of this. A servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him, but he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know 
Him. I don't know Him. I think Peter is guilty here, clearly. There's no doubt about that. But I think Peter does get a little bit of a bad rap at some level here. He denies the Lord. He's guilty. There's no doubt about it. But I've heard so many times that people will take this verse and say, you know, Peter was afraid of a servant girl. He's not afraid of a servant girl. That's silly, right? He's afraid of what we're all afraid of. He's afraid of the crowd. What if I say, yes, I, I'm, with, I'm with him. What are they going to do? What's the crowd going to do? She's surely going to tell the rest of the crowd. What are they going to do? What's going to happen to me? What will they say? What will they do to me? It's fear. Fear of what they might do to him that causes him to say, I do not know him. Terrible words. Heartbreaking words. I don't know Jesus. The worst thing that could ever be true of a person, Peter says of himself, I don't know him. Verse 58 goes on. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. You're one of the disciples. You're one of those who was with Jesus. You, you followed him around. You were with him. You're a part of him. And again, Peter denies it. Man, I, I'm not. I don't want to be identified with Jesus when being identified with him means I suffer. Now, I, I want to, I do want to be identified when it means victory, right? Just a few hours earlier when Jesus says, you will reign with me. I'm going to set up my kingdom and you're going to reign with me. And Peter says, I will die for you. I will be imprisoned for you. This sounds great. But when it's in the face of the persecution, in the face of the suffering, he's, he's acknowledging, I don't want to be identified with you, Jesus, when it means that. And how many of us can identify with that way of thinking, or at least that way of living? When we disperse from those who are close to Jesus, and we get in the midst of the crowd, and the possibilities of temptation come against us, the fears that well up within us, how do we respond? Do we rejoice in our identity with Christ? It goes on again in verses 59 and 60. And after an interval of about an hour, that's amazing, isn't it? He sits there for an hour. You know how you feel after you have done something to deny the Lord. And the struggle and the grief and the battle inside of you for an hour Peter is sitting there after denying the Lord twice. And again, someone comes to him. Certainly, this man also was with him. Now, Matthew's account tells us that it was his accent, the way he spoke, that gave him away. Surely, he's caught here. I mean, these people 
certainly know in their minds and their hearts, this man is a liar. He's lying. We know. We've seen him with Jesus. We can tell by the way he's speaking, this is one of his disciples. And yet, Peter denies him. In fact, Mark tells us that he began to call down curses upon himself. Curses. I do not know what you're talking about. I don't know this man. I'm not identified with him. So sad. I don't know the man. I don't know Jesus. So heartbreaking. But it didn't have to be that way. Peter and we can have confidence. Jesus has already faced the ultimate accuser. The one who will stand against us and say, I know who you are, you sinner. You one who denies the Lord Jesus when things get difficult. You you know the things that you've done. Satan. He'll remind you of those things and he'll accuse you of those things. How do you think, how do you think you could possibly ever make it to heaven with all of those things that you've done, all of those things you continue to do, those habits, those failures, those denials of the Lord Jesus. How do you think you could ever get to heaven? Jesus faced that accuser on your behalf and was victorious so that those sins are conquered, those sins are overcome, those sins are paid for so that it is true of any who identify with Jesus. There is no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. And because that is true, Peter and you and I ought to have confidence. We can have confidence in the face of our accusers. We can have confidence even in the face of persecution because Jesus lovingly stood in our place. And that brings us to our second point. Because Jesus lovingly stood in my place, I can have confidence when I fail. I can have confidence in the face of persecution. I can have confidence in the face of my accusers. But because he stood in my place lovingly, I can also have confidence when I fail. Peter failed. There's no doubt we all do. I was in high school when my most obvious and remembered Peter moment happened. It was accounting class. Our teacher was aloof at best. She would disappear every single day. We think she was out smoking. We're not positive. But she would just leave. And so we would sit on our desks and talk and turn on MTV, and that's how we spent our classes. A great accounting class. I mean, it's West Virginia educational system. I may erase that from the recording. One day in that class, we're sitting there, we're carrying on, the teacher is gone, we're watching MTV, 
I don't remember exactly what I said as we're kind of acting up, but it was worldly. It was wrong. And a girl in the class, Tracy Coberly, not a Christian, far from Christ, said this to me in front of the entire class. I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. And instantly, I was just, ah. She doesn't even know Jesus, but she knows enough to know that whatever's coming out of my mouth and my actions do not represent this Jesus. And I froze for a split second, and my heart sank, and out came the words that I will never forget. I don't know what I said to get me into that, but I have remembered forever since then what I said to get out of it. No. And the words faded long before my grief did. Because like Peter, I was afraid of that crowd. My peers. Peers who thought supposedly I was a follower of Jesus. Even those who weren't. And yet there in the midst of this class of students, I denied the Lord. I failed. Peter failed. Maybe you have failed. But that's the glorious news of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is, are any of us really surprised that we fail? That there are times in our life that we have or do deny the Lord Jesus Christ? I hope, I hope you're not surprised by that. I hope you never look at me and think that that's not something that I have done or could possibly do. We all fail. We all sin. We are wretched sinners. The word wretched is not wretched enough. We are filthy failures. We don't like to hear that. But we are. We fail the Lord Jesus. We care more about the crowd than we do about the Lord at times. But Jesus never failed and never will. He didn't have to remain quiet and endure the mockery and beatings and ultimately the crucifixion. He did not have to do that. He says himself, do you not know I could call legions of angels to come to my defense and rescue me from this, but he's silent. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He did not fail because he loves me. Because he loves you and because he loves Peter. Even with all of our failures, he loves us. Look in the text again, beginning with verse 60. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord 
turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Can you even imagine denying the Lord this third time, saying verbally, I don't know him. I don't want to be identified with him. And Jesus immediately at the sound of the rooster's crow, turning and fixing eyes with Peter. And Peter remembering. And what is that expression on Jesus' face? This came up in, in life group a couple weeks ago. What is, that, what is the expression on Jesus' face? Well, it's not, it's not this. It's, it's not looking at Peter like a sinful father who just caught his son doing something that the son promised he would not do and the father responding with shock and anger. Jesus knew this was going to happen. He told Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. You'll do that. In just a few hours, Peter, you're going to deny me Three times. And Jesus looks at him with compassion. He knows that this is exactly why he's standing where he's standing. Jesus knows this is exactly why he's enduring these beatings and why he will endure the cross and why he will endure the Father's wrath. This is why he's there. For Peter and for everyone else who will trust in Him. He will bear their sins. And you and I can have confidence that even when we fail, we have an advocate, Jesus, who has stood in our place and who is victorious even when we are not. Do you remember what Jesus told Peter just a few hours earlier to do when He returned? Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Don't give up, Peter. Don't you dare forget about my grace, Peter. Speak of it. Tell people about my grace, Strengthen others with the truth of my grace that is forgiving and compassionate. Tell them, Peter. Strengthen them, Peter. Peter can't go to the brothers and say, man, you wouldn't believe it. Like, here I was in the court. I know you guys, you guys bailed on the Lord. You guys split. You didn't want any part of it. You, should, you missed it. I was in the courtyard, and these people came up to me, and Jesus is getting beaten in there, and they asked me, And I was so faithful to him. He must have been so proud of me. I didn't deny him. I was courageous. And and, and they didn't end up taking me to prison. They didn't end up putting me to death. But I was so faithful. He can't go to strengthen the brothers with that news. Because that's not true news. And it's not good news. Strengthen them, Peter, with the truth that I'm compassionate to those who have failed me. I'm compassionate to sinners. I'm gracious to you. Encourage them, Peter. 
And Peter here now is broken. It says in verse 62, he went out and he wept bitterly, we can imagine. He's broken. How can he face the Lord again? I think this is important because we all fail. Some of you have come this morning and you have failed. And you don't know, how can I face the Lord? How can I approach the Lord? How could I ever come before the Lord again? Peter is broken. He has failed miserably. How can he face the Lord? He will. And who will initiate the reconciliation with Peter? Jesus will. Because he's taken care of it. He stood in Peter's place. In John chapter 21, such a beautiful account of reconciliation between one who has failed miserably as a follower of Jesus Christ. This is a different story than Judas. Peter is Jesus's. He is in his hand. He is trusted. He's been rescued by Jesus. No one can snatch Peter out of Jesus's hand. No one can snatch Peter out of the Father's hand. He is saved. And we see in John 21 this beautiful picture of fellowship reconciled. Beginning with verse 4, just as day was breaking, this is post-resurrection, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said, Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Let me encourage you before we read further in the text. When you fail, don't hide from Jesus. You can have confidence even when you fail because Jesus lovingly stood in your place. We don't get a tragic picture in the text here of Peter hearing from John, hey, that's Jesus, and Peter falling and ducking down beside the side of the boat, not wanting to be seen by Jesus, not wanting to encounter Jesus. He needs to encounter Jesus. He needs to be with Jesus because Jesus is the only hope for reconciliation. And when you find yourself in those places, don't hide from him. Don't pull away from Jesus. You cannot fix yourself. Peter could not fix himself. Jesus has done everything for you to be forgiven and you to be in fellowship with God the Father. Don't Hide from him. Run to him. The picture we get here is Peter throwing himself into the water, almost as if he's saying, I don't trust these paddles to get me there fast enough. I'll do it myself. I'm running to Jesus. I'm not going to let anyone else be the one that has to get me there. I'm going to Jesus as quickly as I can. 
And if you're here and you believe the gospel, that you are a sinner, a wretched, broken sinner, but that God is a great Savior who did everything to pay for all of your sins, then don't hide from Him. He's not surprised. He's no more surprised by your sin as He was of Peter's sin. He's not surprised. That's why He stood in your place, because you couldn't. Don't hide from Him. Run to the One who has overcome and received and receive his grace. It goes on in John 21, beginning with verse 9, when they, or in verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Beautiful. Difficult for Peter. But Jesus encourages him again and again and again. Follow me. Strengthen your brothers. Encourage them. Follow me. Is that your response in failure? Do you believe the gospel is good news. Are you running to him? And notice in this text of wonderful expression of love from Peter and calling of that love from the Lord Jesus. Notice in that, he tells Peter, you'll have another opportunity to identify with me in death. And you will be willing. Not because of Peter. Peter's still going to be Peter. He's still going to be human. For the rest of his earthly life, he's going to be human. What Jesus is saying is, you're going to glorify me in this. They're going to take you where you don't want to go. There's the human. They're going to lead you away just like they led me away. And you're going to die because of me, Peter. You're going to have another opportunity to identify with me. And God is going to be glorified when you are. Strengthen your brothers. 
beautiful reconciliation. Peter, you follow me. No matter what, in the face of persecution, follow me. In the midst of failure, follow me. Because our confidence comes not from within ourselves, but from the one who stood already victorious in our place. I would encourage you today, if you don't know him, can I encourage you to consider heeding the words of Jesus, follow me. If today you'd like to surrender your life to him, you believe that this one Jesus and only one Jesus gave his life so that sinners could be saved. So that whoever believes in me, me, Jesus said, will not perish but have everlasting life. And you believe that. I would encourage you as we sing in just a moment, go to the prayer room. Dave and Caressa Crandall will be there. They would love to talk with you, to pray with you. If you're here today and you know him, and maybe you have come in, it's likely that you've come today and you've failed the Lord Jesus. You've denied him. You've disowned him. You've walked away from him in some way. In some way, by your actions or by your words, you have said, I do not want to be identified with him. If you are a follower of Jesus, and that is true of you, you can have confidence, even in your failures, because he stood in your place. Repent. Turn from your sin. As Peter encourages those in Acts chapter 3, repent therefore and return that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That your sin may be wiped away and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent and turn and know that there's only one who is faithful, only one who's victorious, and he was victorious on your behalf. So come to him and follow him and trust him. How wonderful that Jesus did what we could not do. He was counted a transgressor, a sinner, even though he was innocent in every way. And that doesn't just mean what we've seen so far in the text, that he was mocked or that he was beaten. We fast forward and we find that his body was broken and his blood shed on the cross. He died for our sins. And each week as we gather together, we remember that. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you feel as a failure, you're in good company. We all are. But we worship Jesus Christ who never failed. He is why we're here and our hope is in Him. And so confess your sins and listen to Him. Now is the time to follow Him and to be courageous because He stood in your place. And you don't have to deny Him. You don't have to fear man. You don't have to fear what they can do to you. You can be courageous because Jesus is victorious. And in His grace and in His forgiveness, let's take the Lord's Supper, the bread and the cup, with joy and relief today. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, if it had been true that it was up to Peter 
to cling to you and be faithful to you so that he could have eternal life, he and all of us would be lost. We would be lost, Lord. But there you stood, facing the accusers that we deserved to go before, enduring the beatings that we deserved, preparing to endure your Father's wrath that was intended for us and our sins. You are and ever will be victorious, and our hope is in you alone. Jesus, my hope has never been in me. And when it is, I'm failing. I'm not believing the gospel, Lord. We praise you for Jesus. Jesus, we praise you that it was for the joy set before you that you endured the cross. That although you had the authority to call legions of angels to come and deliver you from these enemies, you silently faced our accusers. Ultimately, you faced Satan, and even more, you faced your Father's wrath. And so we praise you, and we thank you, and we trust you. Even now, I pray for each one of us, myself, every single one of us in this room, Lord, that you would help us to to stop trusting in our own strength. To trust in the work of Jesus Christ and Him alone. And I pray for those here who have never trusted in You, Lord. Would You awaken them to know the good news of the Gospel that one came and endured the wrath of God so that if they would trust in Him, surrender to Him, follow Him, they would be forgiven and there would be no condemnation that remains for them. Lord, we praise You for the Gospel. We praise You for the Gospel. And even as we prepare to take the bread and the cup, we want to do that in a, in a worthy manner, Lord, in a manner that comes before you and delights in the truths that we proclaim through partaking the bread and the cup, that it was all you, Jesus, your body broken, your blood shed, and we went free. So help us, help us, Lord, by your Spirit, bring joy and faith as we believe and partake together. In Christ's name, amen.